This is an ABC podcast. Lockdown, ISO, social distance, PPE, Zoom, sanitise, super spreader. All part of our new vocab that's defined 2020. A year that seemed to turn on a dime and spin out of control in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Today's national accounts confirm the devastating impact on the Australian economy from COVID-19. Our record run of 28 consecutive years of economic growth has now officially come to an end. Hey, Miyuki Okiranta with you for Earshot. You might remember that back in May this year, we brought you the COVID Diaries, where we asked a bunch of people around the country to record an audio journal of their lives during the first national lockdown. So when we were thinking about how to document the longer-term effects of COVID-19, we decided to go back to the audio diary and follow the lives of 11 people spread across several generations through the roller coaster of 2020. In this first episode, we meet three 20-somethings, millennials whose lives and dreams have been turned upside down by this year. Hey, it's Declan here. Hi again, it's Ivan. Hey, it's Nicola. Here's part one of The New Normal. At the beginning, you'll hear that muffle sound. That's me putting the sock, foot sock, on my phone. One sec. There's no denying that unemployment has been a defining feature of the pandemic, with the latest figures showing more than a million Australians are currently out of work for the first time on record. Hey, it's Nicola. It's early July 2020, at least before COVID, or still now, I'd consider myself a geologist. I've worked for different universities, Uh, in Australia and overseas. I mean, just in the past 12 months before COVID, I went to eight different countries last year, which is kind of crazy to even think about now. I mean, in February, in February, which isn't even that long ago, I was in South Korea. And if you had told me when I was in South Korea that I couldn't have anticipated going overseas for at least you know, a year or more, I would have told you you were crazy, but here we are. In February, when I got back from Korea, I guess I sort of started to become aware of how bad things were getting. And I guess I was really conscious of it because uh, I had cancer five years ago. Um, And I mean, luckily I'm fine now, but when I was in hospital getting treatment for cancer, I had a partial lung collapse. And, you know, I guess I'm a high risk person. And then by March, my work shut down. (laughs) And so I went from living in the literal CBD of Brisbane to suddenly not having a job, realising that I probably am not going to be able to get a job. So I guess preemptively, In March, I decided I would go back and live with my parents in rural Queensland near a town called Kingaroy, which is about three hours west of Brisbane. Uh, I haven't lived with my parents since I was 17 and I'm 29 now. And I guess the other factor is that 
like, it's not just my parents who live here. My older sister is disabled and requires full-time care, so she lives here as well. My younger sister um, is a single mom and has two kids, so they also live here. So I went from living, in essence, by myself or just with one housemate to living in a multi-generational seven-person household, uh, which is a bit crazy. More businesses ordered to close as the government brings in broader restrictions. Game over. Japan finally agrees to postpone the Olympics until 2021. Declan Stacey here. Just wanted to shoot through this voice recording to you so that you can test the sound and everything for the upcoming uh, ABC radio segment. So a little bit about me, I um, was born on the 9th of July 1993, uh, so I'm currently 27 years old. Uh, I was an elite gymnast for around about 15 years. I started the sport at seven years old. I represented New South Wales at 10 years old. I represented Australia at my first international gymnastics competition at 14 years old. Won my first international medal at the Junior Commonwealth Games where I got a first on floor. I ended up getting a scholarship at the Australian Institute of Sport. Kept going with my gymnastics and then after nine months, I decided that diving was a better fit for me. Started diving at 22 years old, which is an extremely late age to begin a new sport. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Been diving for about four and a half years. I was hoping to go for Olympics this year, but not to be. And, uh, and now we're here chatting about how uh, I'm hoping it'll, it'll happen next year, but just gotta keep chipping away and training in the midst of these weird times. I think in about February of this year, we were competing in Canada at the World Series event. And it was in that competition where we found out from our high performance manager that the Olympic games could even be postponed. And we found out a whole bunch of crazy things. And, and that was a real shock to us. And then we got home and, we were watching the news and realized the severity of it. And I was planning on competing in Russia around about a week or two weeks later. And then I was planning on competing in London the week after that. So I had, I had so much purpose and intentionality around my training and around what I was doing. And eventually the competition in Russia got canceled about the week before we were gonna leave. And then the week after that, the competition in London got canceled. So I was really battling with my motivation before I had so much focus and motivation going into 2020. And it was all sort of crumbling before my eyes. And then it was, I think it was a day in March where I got a call from my coach and he said that he'd just come out of a meeting and that um, the Olympics has been postponed to next year and that all the events are cancelled and that we're not allowed to, to train in the aquatic centre and that I have to now stay at home and be in isolation uh, for a certain period of time before we can get back in the water. And to be completely honest with you, that hearing that gave me a lot of peace because all of a sudden I had certainty. And my coach has been really good since then. We've, he gave us time off. He wanted to give us a few weeks to just completely relax. And then while we were at home, he gave us you know, a push bike and a lot of mats and stuff to keep training, to get fit and to do as much as we could in isolation and that we're able to just, you know, keep focused and, and stay in our groove all year round and not get demotivated and, and, and that sort of thing, which can so easily happen when there are no events on. 
Yeah, it's a crazy ride and it's been a crazy year this year and uh, let's hope that, uh, that everything will fall into place leading into next year. The national carrier Qantas today stood down 20,000 staff members, that's two-thirds of its workforce, to help it survive the crisis. Hey, it's, uh, it's Eamon here. It's, it's now May. I've been uh, stood down now for two months from the airline and just been uh, working casually at Woolworths and various number of roles from working the checkout to uh, stacking shelves. Great to have some form of employment to get me out of the house at the moment, just get me uh, a little bit of cash coming in the door. It's been interesting, it's been, it's been a bit tough the last few weeks or so, I'm really starting to miss flying. And in April, I went out and I sat my test for a heavy rigid truck licence as a means of uh, potentially finding some employment through that. And I've been, it was, a, it was a good fun day actually, we spent four hours driving around in a, a prime mover truck down in Dandenong. Uh, with an instructor and uh, now been applying for a few jobs in various different fields across both um, public transport, buses and uh, dump trucks to soil moving and delivery. I'm hopeful that I'll get a call sometime soon to have a trial shift potentially somewhere. This is a, uh, a dark day for Qantas, but something that uh, Qantas Chief Executive Alan Joyce thought was inevitable. So yeah, unfortunately, um, the work has disappeared. And we're trying this mechanism to make sure we can get through and survive and that they have a job at the end of the day. For us, uh, as pilots, we were flying around with empty aircraft. It, it hit pretty hard. I was in the middle of a training phase, um, being promoted up to being a first officer. I'd say it was, it was pretty emotional, honestly, to kind of just be told over the phone that, yep, yeah, don't, don't turn up tomorrow. So I don't know what will happen with my training when I go back because I was very new to the top. And so I don't have that that 10 years of experience being able to hop back and go, oh, yep, yeah, this feels very familiar. It's all it's just basically going to be like hopping, you know, being brand new again. So as soon as I got stood down, it was one of the first things I thought about was uh, the fact that I, it meant that I didn't have to shave every day. And so as soon as I got the stand down letter, the shaver got put away and I started growing my beard. I'm re I really enjoy having the facial hair. It's something um, not being a pilot for this year has provided me with, like, I guess, an insight into the flexibilities that are potentially afforded to other careers in the way of uh, facial hair. <laughs> okay, so uh, today we have uh, one new case. That new case is currently under investigation and if, as we get more details during the day, we'll update Queenslanders during the day about that case. Hi, it's Nicola. It's late July. I'm back in Brisbane again very, very briefly, just for one night, uh, because I'm going to the Northern Territory tomorrow, uh, to Alice Springs. So I guess it's been... I Googled it the other day. I think it's been almost 140 days now since I lost my job and I had to move back with my parents. So that's quite a while. During that time, I guess I was really missing being outside for work. Part of the reason I wanted to be a geologist in the first place is because I get to go outside and investigate the landscape and try and piece things together and understand why things are there. 
So during sort of the lockdown period, I started getting really into like hiking because I really like this idea that essentially it's just like doing geology field work, except, you know, you can just put a backpack on and you have the freedom to go any way that you want. So after the restrictions started to lift in June, I started going on some long distance hikes just in Queensland that were really great. I guess the most surprising thing was that like bushwalking or hiking in Australia is like, it's like an old person hobby. But on the first big trip I did, I did a 12 day hike from Noosa all the way up the coast to Fraser Island. The whole hike was about 150 kilometers. And on the first day, I met three other people who were all about the same age as me in their late 20s and early 30s. All of them had lost their jobs. All of them were skilled in some way and all of them were living with their parents again. So I ended up hanging out almost the whole time with these people who were sort of in the same boat that I was. Another surprising thing about some of these hikes I've been on is the amount of foreigners I've met especially people from Europe, like I guess the conventional like backpackers. They came here on a working visa and they can't leave now, so what else are they going to do? I guess to sum up, (laughs) I have no idea what to expect from the airport tomorrow. I'm a bit scared, to be honest. I just want to go do this hike and just see, you know, I want to see Australia would be nice because I can't see anywhere else, so may as well. It's Eamon here, middle of a Melbourne winter. It's pretty cold. And uh, I've just recently got a call that I've accepted for a job through our airline secondary employment opportunities in the public service, which is fantastic. It's um, it's on a contract that's uh, just a little bit more stable and a bit better money than working at Woolworths. Mentally, it's a, it's a, it's a massive step forward, so it's been, it's been really good. Hey guys, Declan here again, uh, sitting in the park here before training, but uh, I thought I'd just check in with you guys again and chat a little bit this time about my, my faith journey. I'm a devout Christian myself. And my brother was very influential in this. My older brother, he, um, he invited me to church. And I think that something happened within me that, that, that made me feel like God was real. And I think my faith has given me a really, a really holistic view of myself, that my whole identity isn't just about how good I am as an athlete, but that I'm valuable outside of being an athlete as well. And that that's really what I've been thinking about and, and pursuing and developing over these last few months with some unfortunate circumstances, you know, to remain loyal, to remain integral, you know, to try and be the, the, best, the best person that I can essentially be. I mean, since the second lockdown, it's been pretty tough. We're into the seventh week now and every time we have to go out, we have to mask up and that's been a significant adjustment. It's been quite tough. I mean, just since a few weeks ago, I started working from home, but up until that point, I was actually scootering into the city from Thornbury every day for work. And it was uh, it was eerie driving on the streets, especially at the start of the second lockdown when it really, really, the CBD just completely shut down. Being one of the only people walking around the CBD, it felt, it felt wrong. You can't even get a coffee in the city at the moment. There's only one or two coffee shops open. It's, it's, 
it's very uh, dystopian, I would say, experiencing the CBD at the moment. I'm also, I've, I've been at a new job now for six weeks. Um, definitely uh, <laughs> makes me appreciate how much I enjoy flying and not, not, not working a nine to five every day. So there was kind of a break in all that two, two weeks ago and I did get a phone call basically out of, out of the blue from my airline that, that just they just called me and they said, look, we just wanted to check in with you and see if you were available, if you were interested in working. And if you could let me know by the end of the day, that'd be great. And this was at about 2.30 p.m. And so, unfortunately, I mean, I, I tried. I called uh, my current employer and they, because of the risks of cross-contamination, they have a, uh, a policy that they will not release anybody to work in any kind of other employment field other than the job that they specified. And so there was no real time for me to kind of argue that point and then go get back to my airline and be like, hey, I'm available because they have given me such a small window of opportunity to actually opt in and say, hey, yep, put, put me on the roster. And so unfortunately, yeah, it was just one of those, I guess, misalignment of the stars, we could say, didn't allow me to go and fly. Hello. It's Nicola. It's the end of August. I finally found a house in Alice Springs. So I guess I officially live here now. One of the people I live with is an American backpacker um, who's stuck. (laughs) He's stuck in Australia. So I thought that was kind of apt. So, and also a hiker. So yeah. Um, I don't have a job yet but I'm kind of being a bit picky I don't know how things will change because they're like reducing the dole at the end of September but honestly I think you know I'll have a job well before then I've been like just applying for things I'm interested in um rather than out of sheer desperation I don't know I think it's incredibly privileged to be able to do that but at the same time it's like People want to work. Like, I want to work. I'm bored, you know. (laughs) I've been occupying myself, like, volunteering at the local museum. And then I'm volunteering at the local community radio station, which is also, like, so good. Like, such a great little community station to have out here in the middle of the desert, you know. And even though it's only, you know, 25,000 people in Isle Springs... There's actually stuff happening. And because, you know, it hasn't really been affected by coronavirus at all, it means that, like, everything's still open and functioning and you don't really even have to think about coronavirus very much. You know, people are still having parties. Like, I went to a dance party, like, last week and my friend from Melbourne was just like, oh, my God, like, remember being able to go out? I still get really sad, mostly thinking about my friends who live overseas because I realise that, you know, I have no idea when I'll ever see them again. I mean, I miss my family a lot, but, I mean, hopefully the flight situation and the border situations are okay around Christmas and I can go home and visit at Christmas time would be really nice. So, anyway, um... I have to wrap up, I'm sorry, because 
I am about to go uh, to the nursery and buy some plants for my new house with, <laughs> I got paid my Centrelink money today. So anyway, radio, thanks. <laughs> But if I can run through a list of changes, 127,000 workers will return to various industries. Each of those industries opening up, will have staying open, safety. being safe and safe. VCE and VCAL students will return for assessments from the 5th of October. As the childcare opens for all children, no permit, and the five kilometre limit does not apply. Hi again, it's Eamon um, here. It's, it's now mid October in the north of Melbourne. We've, um, just recently been, well, given some relaxation in our lockdown rules, which has been nice. So it's been uh, the last week or so, we've been able to see some people who I haven't seen in the last few months because they've been outside of my designated five kilometre radius. So it's been really, actually, it's probably been a nice little mental load off the mind to be able to go and catch up with some friends who I haven't seen in a while, and have a bit of social interaction. It's been really lacking in the past few months in lockdown, so it's been quite tough. But, um, Updating on the uh, work side of things, we've been keeping busy. Uh, I just recently signed on to extend my contract in my current role. But it's uh, formally my fifth job since being stood down in March. And so it's been a pretty uh, pretty busy time, pretty turbulent time. I have to say I'm getting quite fatigued of having to be the new kid on the block every time I started a new workplace. I'm kind of happy that I've managed to sign a... Uh, extension to stay on where I am currently and that will take me through until the end of March next year and um, in a bit of a depressing note I figured out the other day it'll be the, my extension for the contract finishes three days after my 12 month anniversary of my last flight in the airline so if I, if I do get to that point and still not flying it's going to be um, you know, a pretty significant moment which will be probably quite hard to come through but it is what it is. Being out of the aircraft for 12 months is pretty significant and um, I mean it's limited my experience in um, my new role as a first officer, it's limited my ability to gain hours and also across the industry as a whole obviously it's going to be quite stagnant because of the just the dramatic effects that this whole um, pandemic has had. And, I mean unfortunately just yesterday I found out that uh, two people I know have been made redundant from uh, Cathay Dragon because that airline's now ceased to exist. Uh, Qantas has let go of 220 pilots. Virgin's let go of however many hundred pilots. There's all like these seriously experienced guys who are now looking for jobs. It's an awful situation to be in. It's um, it, it like I'm, I'm feeling quite emotional just talking about it. To be honest, it's um, it's it's really really hard because I I know that if if I was to lose my job, that's my career over basically. And so that's the way I look at it because I just wouldn't get another job. I think what I'm doing now, I, I could I could probably continue doing it. The only thing really is that it's it's definitely not my passion, and that was that's what I was, I was so lucky in flying is that it just it was absolutely my passion. And no matter if I had to do an overtime shift and be working like doing a 14 hour shift because we got delayed somewhere, or even up to a 16 hour shift, it was tough. But it never felt like I was checking the watch going when am I going to get to go home it was always this is the job and I actually love being here and this is just one of the things you have to do whereas definitely I felt like oh I now have to get up in the morning and go to work there's the it's it's it work has become an inconvenience because I have to work where 
previously it was, oh, I'm going to work and I'm going traveling and I'm going flying and I'm going to do what I love. And so there's, there's been, yeah, a big like paradigm shift in that sense, which has been um, hard to come to terms with. So, And I think now it's really getting to a point where it's like, okay, like it's that, it's that consideration of what if I don't go back, I think. And you're going, okay, that, that's at the moment up to this point, it's been very much like, oh, this is an interesting adventure. I'm having to adjust, I'm having to adapt because that's just what's required. But I'll, but there's always in the back of my mind that I oh, yeah, but I'm going back to something else, which is like, it's, it's an incredibly fortunate position to be in. But by the same token, the longer it goes on, the more risks there is that I may not go back. Hey guys, it's Declan Stacey back here again for another edition. I just wanted to check in today because I've just completed my 10 meter dives or a couple of my 10 meter dives for the first time since COVID hit. But I tell you what, it was nerve wracking being back up there again. Uh, it, it was this weird feeling of, of nerves and excitement though, because when I went back up, it's almost as if that, that's where I belong. You know, when I get up to the 10 meter, I feel like I'm back at home and this is my office. This is where I do my training. So really grateful to be back up, really feel like I've sort of like climbing a mountain just to get back up there just to almost feel like I'm at the start line to get my dives to a point where they can be perfect again but fingers crossed it goes well. Hi this is Nicola and you're listening to C Community Radio 102.1 FM. It's Nicola it's the 13th of November 2020. Uh, I'm sitting in the HLC Community Radio Station studio. That's in Alice Springs. I guess at the beginning of the year, uh, if you told me I would be living back in rural Australia, well, remote Australia, let alone in the Northern Territory, I would have been like, like, nah, nah. I never would have had the opportunity to even see here because most of my work was, was overseas. So um, even though COVID has been terrible and life has changed a lot, I'm really lucky that my situation has been quite positive. You know, I lost my job. I had to go live back with my parents, which is nothing like someone in their late 20s wants to do. But I kind of found myself in the middle of a desert and surrounded by wonderful people and I think I think what's really helped me is when I came to Alice Springs and I just you know essentially got stranded here and stayed here is that I just started volunteering I started volunteering at the museum um, and I just started there as a proper paid employee a couple of weeks ago so I sort of got that opportunity through volunteering you know I volunteered at the radio station and now I'm getting some work through here and Everything's kind of worked out. <laughs> Sorry, I try not to cry, but I'm just so grateful. And I just, I know I've said this a million times in these audio diaries, but I'm, you know, worry about my friends overseas and what they're living through. And I compared that to, to me here and I can see how fortunate I am to live in Australia. Um, Moving here and living through this experience has made me feel uh, 
more Australian, <laughs> more proud of my country. It's a, it's a weird nationalism I never would have had before. Um, I'm really happy here in a way which I don't even realise I could be. The New Normal, Episode 1, was produced by Kirsty Melville, Claudia Taranto and Michelle Rayner, with sound engineering by Bella Tropiano. In the next episode, we meet some 30-somethings who took risks in business and have had to deal with this year's constantly shifting landscape of COVID restrictions. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and I'll catch you next time within Earshot. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.